sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Read your Bible as interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Robin Caleb Show, the show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. My name is Caleb Haig. Well, thank you for your patience. And with me, of course, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, brother? Going very well. I just realized I had two audio clips, and I put them in our Dropbox, but I forgot to tell you about them. That's okay. I'll grab them. How's it going, man? Happy Sukkot. It's happy Sukkot to you as well. And to all our listeners, Chag Sameach. Mm-hmm. Uh, what folder did you put them in? Uh, it's like Robin Caleb or something like that. I got it. I found him. I found him. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, so you, did you put a? They're just uh, funny. They're just they're they're clips. I think we should use at key times. But do you want to hear them? Should we just like listen to them? <laughs> okay. Here we go, folks. Uh, number one, sixteen seconds. Political stuff. Look like optic. That's what it looks like. Well, look, I can't argue with your right to have a optic look, subjective opinion. Optics, baby, that's what it looks like. But what you didn't, that's that's what it looks like to you, and I respect that we have a different look-like optic. (laughs) (laughs) Where Where did you find that? Okay, listen to the other one. Well, I, I don't know because if the, I, I actually do not know. <laughs> nice. Where'd you find these? <laughs> Just watching like political like uh, pundits like interview like politicians. And, I cannot. I I honestly cannot. Optics of this of the look like your look like optics is different. <laughs> I can. I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I cannot wait until this political season is over. Oh, I know. I don't talk. I, you know, I don't like talking politics on this show. I don't like talk po- talking politics anyway because I disagree with most people on pretty much everything. So, and I di- and I disagree with that opinion. So yeah, exactly. What can we say? All right, so let's get to things better suited for the show. How's your suko going? Did you put up a uh, suko or what? No. What? You just sleeping had- under the stars or we fished Tad. Crazy cold, rainy weather, and I've been so tired. I I just and we've had stuff going on that's just draining me. I we just, had so. we had an impromptu. So I put my suka up. We had an impromptu uh, suka party last night. There was only about seven people that showed up, and uh, <laughs> I I had a fire. I was gonna get going and everything. And I looked back, and the only two people that were at our house at the time were sitting there like freezing in our suka because it was cold out. And I was like, "You guys want to go inside?" <laughs> we had our whole suka party inside. It was, it was all right. Yeah, it's, uh, the weather over here is not that good. Are you learning anything good during the Sukkot, though? We we had a great uh, study on Monday for the first day. We we spent a couple hours reading 
in Kohelet. And yeah, we we got maybe into chapter two. You know, we we went really slow, but it was really great, good study. Vapor of vapor. That's what I think of. That's what I think of every time I think of Kohelet. Ecclesiastes, for those of you who might not know. Um, so I had a. I'll tell you this. And this is totally not even part of our topic. There's this guy on Facebook. And uh, hang on, let me get, I want to make sure I got his name right. His name is, hang on, wait for it. His name is Asher Meza, Jewish guy, rabbi. Um, he runs BeJewish.org. And he does these things where he has like he he'll he'll do d- debates and they're like phone conversations with him and various people. Now, he's not your average Orthodox Jew by any stretch of the imagination because he doesn't believe he believes that the only thing that that you can take as as like uh, to build theology essentially like okay he believes that you can take the Torah and the Mishnah and besides that everything else else is midrash. So he doesn't take any of like the Talmuds or he doesn't take like the Zohar or anything like that. And so one of his favorite things to do is to debate Christians. And uh, so I started watching, he had this uh, thing up that he put up uh, recently. It was <clears throat> his, uh, his uh, debate with a, with a Messianic. And the Messianic, uh, just in his picture, you know, he's got this long beard, he's got payout, he, uh, he's wearing black and white, his name's Rabbi Benyahu. Don't know who that is, okay. Well, he is a, he says, my rabbi is Mordecai Griffin. Well, which, who's that? Well, oh, Morde- wait a minute. Mordecai Griffin is a guy on, on uh, Facebook who is uh, like, anytime, I I- yeah, he's, he's very, uh, he's a huge proponent of like, the rabbinical writings. So, like anything rab, anything rabbinical, he's all about. And so, I started listening to this thing. I got to say, it was extremely disheartening. Man, the state of whatever might be messianic or the state of believers in our day and age is sad. So, this uh, <clears throat> messianic, he basically starts by saying um, that he's he's not messianic. He is an Orthodox Jew who believes in Yeshua. And he is part of the Lapid movement. Now, I didn't know what the Lapid movement was. Like Pincus Lapid? No, no, no. Like Lapid as in a torch. Oh. Oh. And the Lapid movement, if, yeah, I, I don't know how, I don't know if it's big enough to be called a movement. But it was started by Mordecai Griffin. This guy's down in Texas. I've had my run ins with him. I think most people have. Uh, he doesn't find me favorable at all because uh, he he doesn't like me at all because of my stance on rabbinical writings. So I did some, you know, I, I we were I was thinking about having this be the topic today. I decided not to because it was just so disheartening. But listen to this is on Lapid uh, mylapid dot com is the website. Under the About Us tab, it's uh, what is Lapid House. So they, you know, it's like the Chabad House, but it's Lapid House. Well, Lapid is. It, okay, this is this is what it says. I'm reading now. Lapid is influenced by the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, a great oh, Jew of the 18th century Europe who loved his people with an immeasurable passion. 
Uh, I mean, it goes on and on. Basically, what they've tried to do is, and this is no joke, he even says this in the interview with uh, with Meza. He says that they are trying to be uh, like Baal Shem Tov and Chabad. That's like their, you know. Well, of course, because yeah. that's, that's what they've consumed. That's, yeah. the, that's the cultural... The interesting stuff they bought. The interesting thing is that uh, is that in this uh, debate or whatever you want to call it, Meza, I mean he he clearly knows New Testament theology better than uh, better than the the messianic. Um, so it's it, it was just very sad, very very sad. The so thing, why did they choose him to be the one to debate with? Yeah, I was confused about that too. Why didn't Mordecai Griffin get on there and, and, and talk? I think, you know, he's this guy's leaving. Uh, he's living right now with Mordecai Griffin in Texas, him and his family. Uh, he moved here from Chile, and he's moving back to Chile to uh, to make a, uh, a, a Lapide House Chile. Here it is. The approach of Lapid today mirrors that both the Baal Shem Tov and Chabad. We look past the outward person and focus on the soul within. I mean, throughout the whole thing, he kept talking about Tikkun Olam and and uh, and the sparks, you know, and repairing. It sounds was, like uh, who is the guy, the kosher pig guy? It's Shapira. What's the difference? Uh, Itzhak Shapira is not trying to be Ch- Chabad. He's not trying to be Hasidic. These guys wear black and white all the time. They're very, uh, yeah. But I mean, in terms of theology, here, okay, so the reason I bring this up, and, I, and th- there is a reason, be, I'm, not just, I'm not just moaning and whining about it. There is a reason I bring this up. And the reason I bring it up is this. Maybe, maybe people in the, uh, uh, Adam says, Sparks sound Lubavitch. Well, Sparks are are the sparks are uh, from the the Kabbalah uh, when the when the vessels that were trying to contain the the light of the Ein Sof right. uh, Luria, right. yeah they they, yeah. they they shattered and then the sparks from the shattering went all over the place and into our world and each spark See, is, Shapira argues that that's what Yeshua was gathering the sparks yeah. That that's so. Even though I don't know what Shapira's life is, style is like, but I would think that way the people he's quoting, he's heavy Chabad in his quotings, and, uh, and uh, but that and I'm sure I'm sure that, that uh, Shapira is from Texas too. I mean, I I know Texas is a big place, but I, I'm sure that I'm sure that Shapira and the Lapide House would probably get a, along great. Along they would yeah. have Sukkot together. Yeah, sure. But here's my question, and I was thinking, you know, I was praying about this a lot in the past 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever, and I was thinking about it and just kind of pondering, you know, like some of the things that are going on in the in the diff- various different uh, uh, movements of believers, whether it's Messianic or Christian or whatever. You know, we talked one time on this show, and I said that, you know, if a person believes, uh, you know, doesn't believe that, that Yeshua is divine, I would have a problem uh, worshiping with that person, and um, so I know that like we can sit down and break bread with people who aren't believers, and and I I don't have a problem with that. I I get that, but I mean after a while, can these people really be considered? I mean, are they even? You know, they've brought in mysticism and magic. They've brought in magic because that's what Kabbalah is. 
you know, it's a lot of magic. So, I mean, is that really the true, is that really truth? And if so, I, I mean, if it's not, then like, is that somebody that I want to consider brother? Even though these people seem to have a good heart for, for Yeshua, is it really, is it really the, you know, is it really the, the, uh, the relational, uh, covenantal, uh, religion that is put forth by Yeshua and his disciples What's in the, the apostolic scriptures? between this? What? No, I don't know anything about this, so I'm just going on what you said, Caleb. But what's the difference between Lapid movement or house or whatever and, like, what Kinzer's promoting? Kinzer says Messianic Judaism is a, a legitimate Judaism. Yeah, that and that's what these, these guys... That needs, that needs to be recognized. But this sounds like these people are saying we're not Messianic, we're Orthodox... And that believe in Yeshua. Yeah, and not only that, but many times... Like, oh. Yeah, okay, many, many times, many times, actually, in this, this debate, uh, Meza says, well, the, the, you know, the New Testament and Jesus continues to say that you can't, you can't be saved. You're not in if you, don't, if you don't believe in me. Like, if you don't believe in me, then you're not in. And, and the Messianic guy, Benyahu, keeps saying... Well, no, I never said that. I don't say that. I, you know, and he said, no, no, no. That the apostle, the the New Testament says that. And Benyahu keeps saying, where, where does it say that? No, it doesn't say that. So that's, I think that's like the depth of their discussion. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, you know, Benyahu keeps trying to go back to these kabbalistic sources, and Meza keeps saying that's not a that's not a uh, a foundational source. You have to go back to the Torah. Now. Granted, this is this is Maze's way of trying to basically throw out the Messiah. Is saying if you can't prove it from the Torah, you can't you know you can't use it. So anyway, it, it, I, I bring that up just because I, 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 it's like an honest question for me. You know, can I really consider? Okay, here's another here's another example because in the chat room we're having people having good uh, points here about Chabad, like people sharing Chabad links. Okay, I got an email from someone who sends, and I know uh, the family, right? And he sends out every morning or so, he sends out these little morning meditations on Scripture. Well, the other morning, he sent one out saying, talking about atonement, and that there are the, the, the 44 mistakes and the Al-Khet prayer that was prayed every Yom Kippur from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus. <laughs> and I, and I, I emailed him privately. I said, "Where did you get this?" And he's like, "Oh, I got it from aish.com." <laughs> yeah, of course. And I, and and I said, "Well, I said that's you know you're taking rabbinic lore, and and mostly the people who receive his emails are in the Christian Church." And I said, "That's your, you need to discern between biblical truth and and later lore, that but you're you're telling people." these stories uh, of this Al-Khet prayer saying that it it was from Moses to Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't do that. Well, and then so it went on. He was very, he, he accepted. He's like, thank you. And I'm like, well, how did you even come across this website? And he's like, well, they were just Googling stuff and came up with the website. And I'm like, I said, that's, you know, dumpster diving. It's like, you don't, you're, you're, putting search things in there you have no way you don't know who the people are it just they make a good website and it looks good and you start consuming it 
And what I, I had another interaction with another person along the same lines. And I said, look, here's what you, what you have to realize is that as, as you persevere in your walk as a disciple of Yeshua, the list of teachers that you really take seriously is going to get smaller and smaller. Yeah, that's, exactly. That, that's kind of, and I came to this kind of way of saying it like that, that it's like, it's going to get your, your field of <clears throat> feeding, what you're feeding on is going to get narrower and narrower. Why? Be- because at the same time that that's getting narrower or that your list is getting shorter is because your discernment is growing. And the people, because you're enduring in the faith, because you're persevering, you're going to also see the fruit of others who have persevered through all manner of storms. And you're going to see truly what is good fruit. And you're also going to go, wow, you know, I don't have, I don't want to spend my time uh, consuming junk. And most of the stuff out there is distraction. And exactly. I think that that's one of the big Satan's thing right now is distraction. Yeah. Whether it's flat earth or this lapid, oh, well, I'm, I'm an Orthodox, but I believe in Yeshua. I'm not Messianic. I mean, this kind of parsing of identity politics, it's, it's a distraction, in my view. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. That was, a, I'm sorry, that was my rabbit trail. Where's my, there it is. Okay. That was my rabbit trail. I apologize. Let's, oh, uh, I like someone put sparks. Uh, we're under a burn ban. <laughs> Give me the spirit, not the sparks. <laughs> Susanna, right on. That was, that's really well put. Okay. Here we go. We're going to open up the, uh, first of all, let's, let's say this. A big thank you to, uh, to, to Gary Springer right now for running our chat room. What a blessing that is. And uh, I want everybody to think about, you know, if you're hearing this, you're disagreeing with what we're saying, you're hearing it, you're liking what we're saying, or if you hear a song on Tor Resource Radio or something like that and you want to tell us about it, please go ahead and do so. You can give us a call on our comment line. It's just an answer machine. You don't have to talk to anybody. You just tell us what you think. 253-465-3205. I'll give it to you again. It's 253-465-3205. Let's uh, open up the Rob and Caleb Show mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. News here. Okay. We're going to start out of order because I really want to get to this one first. Our good friend Dennis, who uh, has moved here to the Tacoma area, because uh, he loves us so much, uh, has uh, <laughs> uh, wrote us a, a long but a very concise email. And th- I, I, th- I thought it was very good. So I want to read the whole thing. He says, hi, Rob and Caleb. I'd like to discuss, Yesh- discuss Yeshua being an angel of God. This topic came up in show 144. That was our last show. Starting around 13 minutes to 13.50 of the show. And I have pulled that clip uh, for oh, you. Let's do a clip of our own show. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a first? Mm, maybe. I think we've done it one other time. Here we you go. Have a, fir- have a first every time we have a show. <laughs> Try to do the first or something. All right. Here you go. Here's Rob talking about the angel of the Lord. And uh, here we go. You know, there's people who say, who was it? Just talking about this issue. Someone was saying the angel, that Yeshua is the angel of the Lord. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Doesn't the angel of the Lord. So he's like not Yodevave, but he's the angel of Yodevave or something like that. Um, but I was thinking in Revelation at the beginning, it says that Yeshua sent his angel. 
Right. Okay, so does that mean an angel? If Yeshua is an angel, do angels have any, have their own angels? So Yeshua is an angel that has an angel. I, I, yeah, this was a rabbit trail. Okay, this is the clip that uh, Dennis is talking about. He says, Rob, you said someone had brought up and you'd been discussing with them about Yeshua being an angel of the Lord in Revelation, and could Yeshua be referred to as an angel calling an angel? Quote, he quotes now Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John. End quote. I want to be clear as to what you are saying. First, as I understand it, and in my opinion, Yeshua is indeed the angel of the Lord as discussed in Scripture. For me, personally, I started understanding and believing this when taking Tim Hague's Messiah in the Tanakh course. I changed a word there, by the way. Uh, Tim goes into his excursus on the angel of the Lord, starting on page 36 of his teaching. In his summary uh, on page 45, he plainly states, quote, from this we would derive the obvious fact that the angel of the Lord was a visible manifestation of the invisible God acting as divine. He goes on to state, It seems to me that the only consistent interpretation option left to us, if we are willing to receive all the data on the angel of the Lord, is that in the angel of the Lord we have pre-incarnate manifestations of the Messiah. End quote. I will leave, uh, I will leave it here for now. The, uh, it goes on. It does go on. The uh, email goes on, and he he quotes some other things. Uh, So let's talk about this for a second. It did seem as though you were challenging the idea that the angel of the Lord is, in fact, a pre-incarnate Yeshua. Um, And I actually agree with Dennis that the angel of the Lord at certain times is a pre-incarnate Yeshua. For, For instance, we see angel of the Lord talking to Abraham. Abraham stood... Uh, was left, or I'm sorry, yod heh uh stayed standing before Abraham. Um, and then uh, I also believe, and this uh, it could be debated easily, but I also believe that uh, the angel of death in the Exodus is uh, is Yeshua, and we see then the angel of the Lord follow Israel uh, into, the, into the split sea. I believe that too is Yeshua. What say you, Rob? Well, I, this is really good. This is a good discussion. I um, glad that Dennis uh, emailed that and and helped us because we didn't really talk about it very much and so this is helpful. Um, there's a couple things that I that just come to mind for me. I, I don't have a, a a answer that probably anybody would be satisfied with if they were just going to stick with what I say. So uh, don't take you know my word for this. But um, I one is just the issue of of Malak, right? Because we're talking about the word Malak. Sometimes a Malak is is just a messenger, right? So we, one point is we just want to be sure that when we think of an angel, and that's, I, I was guilty of that last week because I said angel. I, I didn't clarify Malak because Malak can be people in the Torah, right? Um, Jacob sends Malachim out to, I think it's before, when he's coming back into the land, um, to to go out and find Esau, and um, I think even earlier than that, Caleb, when you quote with the story with Abraham, I think that's Genesis eighteen. Uh, the visitors are called Malachim, and then later they're called Anashim. But then we have uh, that, like Gabriel, right? That Gabriel is called an, uh, uh, who stands before the Lord. 
and I think Gabriel is is considered a Moloch. And so uh, I think there's some flexibility in the term that I would uh, that I would be okay affirming that at some passages in the Tanakh where it says Malach Yodhivavhe, that that uh, could very well be uh, uh, the person of Yeshua, right? Pre-incarnate Yeshua. I don't have a problem with that. But I would say that we just want to be careful. My hesitancy is the idea that he's, if we would somehow, by calling him an angel, say he's not a man. You know what I mean? Hinting that, uh, because Yeshua is very much a man. And uh, Gabriel is not a man. But, okay, hang on just a sec. But, but was, was, but, was... But here, but here's the thing. Even in Daniel, Gabriel is called an ish, I think. Okay, but was, was Yeshua... But he's not human. He's not... I don't think Gabriel is human. But was Yeshua, was, was Yeshua human before he was born of Mary? No, what I mean this. I mean, now he became human, and now he's still human. Sure. I'm, so, I'm so totally say, with you on that. If I say he's the Moloch of Yodhivave right now, or would I say he was pre-incarnation... Some of the Tanakh terms, Malach, Yodhivave, are like this pre-incarnate form. If we make that chronological distinction between before incarnation, but I wouldn't, I, I guess what I'm uncomfortable saying is that right now, that to say Yeshua is the Malach of Yodhivave, like right now, today. And I would, I, I'm not comfortable saying that. I'm saying, no, I think it's better to say he's, God in the flesh. He's man. He's fully man and fully God. And the word angel kind of just blurs the waters today. That that's what I was trying to get at. This is a great discussion, and I and I'm not okay. You know, so so wait, hang on just a second. I want to I want to reference uh, John one eighteen because it says no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Right. Okay. So we have John saying no one's ever seen God. Um, but then we have obviously Yodhevave showing up to to Abraham. So I want to make sure I understand. You are saying that this would be a pre-incarnate Yeshua, correct? I the one in in uh, which verse again? The word well, in, in 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 Genesis, it, what is it? Genesis. Gen- hang on, yeah. Genesis eighteen. Eighteen. When yeah, well, when there's uh, three, there's three men, three he, messengers, but only one of them's called Yodhevave. Correct. So, who's that? If if no one has seen God according to John, and Abraham sees Yod Vavhe, who is that? Well, good question. I think it's pretty pretty explicit. Well, and and he said Yeshua said Abraham saw my day, and does that mean he saw it prophetically? We also know that Yeshua Yeshua was with Israel in the wilderness, right? I mean, it could be metaphor. But he says that Yeshua was the bread that was with Israel. Paul says that. He was the manna from heaven. Or no, he was the rock. I'm sorry. He was the rock. rock. from which they drink. Yeah, exactly. So is that. Uh, is it metaphorical? Argument. Yeah, but I would I would have to agree with Dennis. I, I fully affirm that I think that, uh, especially, I think that you had, uh, I think that you had Yeshua speaking with, and I wrote a paper on this, uh, I think that you had Yeshua speaking with Moses in his tent. So what do we what what what's the difference between like the angel Gabriel? Is, he's not he's is, not Yodhe Vave. It says he stands in the presence of God. So 
Yo, but there's a difference between standing in the presence of Yod Hey Bob Hey and being Yod Hey Bob Hey. But he's called a Moloch. Yeah, but you should. But he's called an angel. Yeah, but we have an angel who is called Yod Hey Bob Hey, right? We never see Gabriel being called Yod Hey Bob Hey, but we have an angel or we have that's a messenger true. that is called no, Yod Hey Bob Hey. That's true. That's true. And he said, and in Exodus, he says, "My name is in him. My name is in the Moloch." Right when he's with the wilderness, I would say that that was a pre-incarnate manifestation. I I don't have any problem the way. And uh, by the way, Dennis's email was excellent, excellently presented because he he clearly indented. He cited his sources. It was like very easy to follow, very well put together. So I want to just say, way to go. That's it was very well put together, and uh, and so I would say. I guess to, to clarify my point is that I would not call Yeshua the Moloch today. I, but I would say back then in those scriptures, I would say, yeah, that's, that's pointing to Yeshua probably. Uh, so I, so uh, now I I'm, I'm, star I'm starting to understand what you're saying. So you're saying that since Yeshua has become, uh, has taken on human form after being born of Mary. Yeah, he never left his human. He's still human. He's... Uh, agreed. He's eternally human. And so calling him an angel now, to me, does, I'm not comfortable with that. But so I guess that's just the clarity. It's just a chronological difference between pre-incarnate manifestations and present-day reality. Dennis says, I had a great teacher talking about your, uh, your treatment of his email. Okay, let's move on. That was a good one. Dennis, thank you very much for the... Uh, and honestly, we could keep going on that, um, but I think, I think the point's made. So I agree with you. I think that after, after Yeshua took... Uh, after he took bodily form uh, as being born of Mary, I think that he has... And this is one reason I think that Yeshua says that he, uh, he, he must go to the Father, but he will send the Helper. You know, if he's if he's still if he's still able to be, uh, you know, omnipresent or whatever it may be, uh, then why why would he need to send someone if he's going to be with the Father? So here's a question. I just pulled up using accordance. Malach Yodhevafe. It occurs fifty four times. That mean? Would you say that Yeshua is the one who named Ishmael then? Because I, okay, now I, I, yeah, now I got to clarify too. I don't believe that every time that we see Yod, or, uh, the the Melech Yod Hevavhe, the the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord, the messenger of God Most High, whatever you want to say, I don't believe that every single time it is a pre-incarnate Yeshua. Because, for example, one of them is is to Hagar, and it says the Malach of Yod Hevavhe says, "Behold, you are with child; you will bear a son; you shall call his name Yishmael." Um, which means, is would we say, well, Jesus gave Ishmael his name? Are we going to push it? So I guess that's why I, it's a little fuzzy for me, and I don't. I, I'm not I, I think have the answer. I think I think context has to tell us when Abraham yeah. when Abraham wrestles and the and the is it Abraham or is it Jacob Who wrestles. No, he, Jacob, J yeah. Jacob. I'm sorry. When Jacob wrestles yeah. with the with the angel, right, and he touches the 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 thigh or whatever whatever you want to say there. Uh, when he when he touches him and the, and his and he, his hip goes out or whatever whatever it may be, and he limps from then on. He says, "I have wrestled with the Lord today." I'm I'm paraphrasing, right? But he says, "I've wrestled with I've I've wrestled with God, with Elohim, and with man." Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, I have to assume that that right there is a pre-incarnate Yeshua. 
See, now this also goes, you know, I've, I've heard the teaching. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this at all. But I've heard the teaching that, that Melchizedek was, was a pre-incarnate Yeshua. I don't agree with that. But people, t- so people can take this too far is my point with that. And once again, I don't believe that every single time that we see that we see Melech Yod Vav in the Tanakh that it's necessarily pre-incarnate Yeshua. Anyway, okay, good discussion. Let's I guess keep... I need to take uh, your dad's class. Messiah. Yeah, come on, man, come on, man. Because <laughs> I'm sure he probably goes through all these uh, uh, perspectives and and sorts them out. So. This from the Lovejoys, they ask, uh, well, she asks, my husband wanted, they sent a very lovely note. Thank you very much for the note. Uh, should I read the, the entire thing? No, it's okay. She says, thanks for all the work you do. We love listening to you. We don't have a community, so we listen to the Robin Caleb show as part of our uh, Shabbat, our Sabbath uh, studies and teachings. Uh, and so they thank us for putting up the show. She says, my husband wanted to know if Rob would give further explanation and uses for the word power. We were raised in the teachings of dynamite, as its oh, description, yeah. and had to laugh over what Rob said. Been there and done that teaching laugh out loud. May God richly bless you both. I don't well, know. You, I don't know how, how yep, that. I think it was uh, in. You were reading from Dr. Uh, yep. Carson, yeah. weren't you? Yep. Yep. D.A. Carson. Uh, exegetical fallacies. Yeah. That's the text. Um, I think that's what we were talking about. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was number two. Hang on just a sec. I'll tell you right here. Um, yeah, so Dunamis, uh, Power, Miracle, uh, and the text is Romans one sixteen. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the Dunamis, the dynamite of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I had an explosion. I don't think I do. That's funny. Go ahead. You want to? You want to expand? I don't know how to expand on that anymore. Uh, I'm not sure either. Uh, but but I'm happy to. You know, it's a. You know, one thing that is helpful is if you. And this is what this is how you use Strong's concordance. If you've got a, you can use a Strong's concordance and you can use a King James and then use other translations. But you look up the word. Uh, well, you'd have to find the Strong's number, and then you want to see if you can search for every time that word is used. And there's free online Bible programs that you can use to do that. You know, all the times dunamis appears in, you know, the New Testament or something. And then you can go and just do a study, you know, and just uh, cut and paste those passages and read read through them all and, and start... Uh, see how how the word's used differently. Yeah, see how's it, how's it's used, and um, that's that's the basic method, you know, when you're starting to learn vocabulary, is we we got to go by its usage. Um, not uh, etymology is just a, a small part of that. Okay, let's actually read from D. A. Carson. I'm happy that they brought that up because it reminded me that we should we should read a little bit more of this book. This is great. Okay, semantic obsolescence. In some ways. This fallacy is the mirror image of semantic anachronism. Anachronism, I'm sorry. I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, here, in the interpreter, uh, here the interpreter assigns the word in the text, in his text, a meaning that the word in question used to have in earlier times, but that is no longer found within the live semantic range of the word. That meaning in 
other words, is semantically obsolete. One of the more interesting lexical works on my shelves is a dictionary of obsolete English. Some words, of course, simply lose their usefulness and drop out of the language. For instance, to, to chafer, meaning to be, to, to bargain, haggle, or dispute. I, I don't know that word. Far trickier are those that remain in the language but change their meaning. So, also in the biblical languages, Homeric words no longer found in the Septuagint or in the New Testament are of relatively little interest to the biblical specialist, but a Hebrew word that means one thing at an early stage of the written language and another at a later stage, or a Greek word that means one thing in classical Greek and another in the New Testament can easily lead to unwary uh, unwary into a pin, pit, pitfall of this third fallacy. Uh, you know what this makes me think of right away? Mm. The Copper Scroll Project. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, in the uh, first of all, the Copper Scroll Project, he was taking, Barfield was taking, uh, was taking biblical Hebrew and then trying to apply it to Mishnaic Hebrew, first of all. Second of all, when he couldn't find words in his, uh, in his Strong's Concordance that, were, that was in the Copper Scroll, he went to, like, Google Translate no, and he, he made emendations in the Copper Scroll. He said, oh, they spelled this word wrong. Yeah. And he changed the spelling. Yeah. Yeah, and he has no... Yeah, yeah. That's anyway, he, he, there's a lot of that that's going on. Is You know, the words have changed and become obsolete or whatnot, or are being used differently in a, in the con, in a different text. we're learning in our... Uh, we're doing a class on, on Jewish mystical traditions, and... We we're talking about the term. We we're reading about this term Shekhinah, and it's funny because I think Ryan Blackwelder posted this thing. It's like Shekhinah versus Shekhinah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, na neighbor Shekhinah is your neighbor. Shekhinah is the, the what's considered the presence of God. Well, we had this great discussion on Shabbat about this uh, either this last week or the week before. Shekhinah is not used in the Bible, right? The the word. Shachan, Lishchon, the to dwell, is there, and we get, you know, we get the word Mishkan, for example. The Mishkan is from Shachan, but the noun Shechinah is not in the text. It's not in the Bible. It's a later rabbinic uh, word, a Hebrew word, and it's used kind of for the presence of God, the Shechinah. But as you go into the Middle Ages, as we're reading it, it it starts to be taken over by the Kabbalists, and it represents, um, you know, this this uh, exilic, this woman who's kind of this exile. Um, anyway, and then the, the the Kabbalists get a hold of it, and then Shekinah becomes the feminine, like this feminine deity, like almost opposite of the way the the Roman Catholic, the Spanish Catholics were thinking of the Virgin Mary. Like with, uh, so anyway, it, so, but people just think Shekinah, and we were talking about, I remember hearing a preacher when I was a kid, the Shekinah glory, the Shekinah, and it's like, I wonder, they read, they, they read some <laughs> Jewish book somewhere, you know, it's like, where did they get Shekinah? Well, they got it from a transliteration of some Jewish book, you know, because it wasn't, wasn't from the Bible, um. But that's another example of a word that enters in, it becomes a symbol, you know, in people's religious imagination, and then they 
they're not sure exactly what it means, but it kind of floats around. And depending on which community you're in, it might take a di- this or that spin. Okay, let's go to another uh, email because uh, now I, I'll admit that I added a couple of words and took a couple of words out here to make it actually read correctly. I, there was a couple of mistakes, so I didn't edit the email, but I edited well, people, it. People for... edit your emails before you send them. Send it. <laughs> okay. I just I just want to I I, I want to make sure that people know that I you know I did change a couple of I put the word R in here and anyway, what are your thoughts on hanging the mezuzah? And the Shema, he put on the Shema, and the Shema. I don't hear many Messianics or Hebrew Roots teachers talk about them. I recall one guy telling his congregation that he puts olive oil on his doorpost or something. I'm a little lost on the subject and would appreciate your thoughts. Okay, thank you, John, for the email. I take a traditional view of the mezuzah, and uh, there have been people in our congregation that have uh, taken uh, the literal view and actually, you know, actually written out on their doorposts in pen the uh, various passages. Um, I put mezuzahs on pretty much every doorpost in my house uh, and on my property, for that matter. And uh, I don't think that it's necessary to have a kosher scroll like the rabbis say um, or anything like that. But And I've seen Christians, and I've wondered about this too because uh, Chosen People Ministries did a promotion at the SBL, maybe it was the ETS, several years ago, where they gave a, uh, they gave a mezuzah. And instead of putting the traditional um, uh, scroll in it that has the Shema and I think the four various passages that talk about writing the commandments on your doorpost in it, uh, they had taken the the scroll and they'd put in uh, passages from the apostolic scriptures in it and put it into the mezuzah instead. And it was a see-through one, so you could actually kind of read the passages that were in the scroll. scroll. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a cool, cool mezuzah. I actually still have the mezuzah. I took the, the piece of paper that they had with the apostolic scriptures out of it and put a normal scroll in it. I did that simply because if I ever have a a Jewish person over to my house, uh, especially one who doesn't believe in Yeshua, I'm afraid that it would be very offensive to them. Um, Even though, to me, I think it's a wonderful thing to be able to put, uh, you know, something from the Apostolic Scriptures in. I I would rather not start off on the wrong foot when someone walks into my house and sees uh, that the mezuzah has a different scroll in it. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all, and uh, more power to people who want to do that kind of thing. Um, But I take a traditional view simply because... I don't, I don't. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. First of all, second of all, I think that it's uh, a a good practice. And third of all, uh, it's much easier than trying to sit and write all of the passages out on your actual doorpost. Um, so that's what I think about the mezuzah. I certainly do not. Anyone who tells you that the mezuzah is some kind of an amulet or whatever that protects your home, this is. Absolute nonsense. That is not what it was supposed to be. The Jews were accused of this, and uh, they denied it for a while. The Kabbalists kind of actually uh, accepted that. Um, anyway, what are your thoughts, uh, Rob? Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, I broke I, I broke your mezuzah the last yeah, time I was at your house. Yeah. <laughs> and what I didn't realize is that it looks like a caterpillar had crawled up, like made it through a like when I went and looked at it. It was like. I needed to replace that thing anyway, it looks like. But we also have, when, right when you come in our door, my wife had found this beautiful, uh, like, long vertical uh, thing of the Shema, and it's, mm. like, really beautiful. And so we have that. 
Um, there are I know I've known people that just have a they just print on their computer they print out the Ten Commandments and then they just like hang it right there. And I think I think it's all great. Um, that's yeah. That's I I I don't believe that we have to stick to what the rabbis say. I think everyone should know that who listens to this show. Uh, however, you know there are some things the rabbis give us that uh, that make it easier to to fulfill commandments, and I have no problem uh, incorporating those into. Our, but I'm not going to tell somebody who writes, who physically writes with a pen or whatever on their doorpost the command the you know various commandments or whatever passages they want. Uh, I. You know, I don't have a problem with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. They're fulfilling the commandment just as much as I am. Um, so that's my view of the mezuzah. The Shema is a different one. We've talked about the Shema on this show uh, many, many shows ago. So the tradition within Judaism is that the Shema should be said th- three times a day. Uh, that isn't it? The uh, the ba- uh, the Babylonian Talmud starts out with, uh, or is it the Jerusalem Talmud? You can tell me, Rob. That starts out with a discussion of what time of the day you're supposed to uh, to say the Shema in between. Matai Korina Shema, yeah, Shema. Yeah, that is that's the beginning of the Mishnah. Yeah. Okay. So there well, you go. What time do they? Uh, uh, and it's. Ba'erev, it's at, 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 in the nighttime. In I evening. should know that because I just read it literally like a week and a half ago. Anyway, not the point. Um, so, uh, and there's all sorts of discussions within uh, the rabbis of, of when things can be said. You know, if you say it at this time, is it too late? Now are you saying the evening, Shema, blah, blah, blah. I personally don't have anything wrong with saying the Shema three times a day. However, I don't think that that's what is commanded in uh in the in the Shema itself, when it says that you're, what we want to be focused on is fulfilling the Shema yeah. all the time. Yeah, exactly. All the time, and, and that's the, it's the greatest commandment. It's and, the greatest yeah. commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and everything else in our life is it will only be fruitful for Messiah's kingdom if it stems from, sprouts from that love, and there and you can't have one or, without the other. Yeah, and for those who are listening to this show who might not know what we're talking about, the Shema is, uh, it starts with uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 and following, and actually it has several different passages from uh, the Torah, including Numbers 15.37 and, and following. Um, so there, there's multiple passage within, passages within the Shema that have been compiled together, and is I would consider uh, one, of t- one of two flagship prayers within uh, normative Judaism today. So, I don't have anything against saying the Shema. In fact, I say it regularly. I say it a lot of the time in my morning prayers. Not every time I do morning prayers, but regularly in my morning morning prayers, we say it every Shabbat at the shul that I go to. And uh, so I think it's good because it's Scripture. And so anytime you are reciting Scripture and uh, attempting to lock that into your brain, I think it's great. And I think it's even better to be able to pray Scripture, whether it's Psalms, whether it's Proverbs, whether it's out of the Apostolic Scriptures, the Lord's Prayer, whatever it might be. But the point is, is that I think it's always good to be uh, reciting Scripture. So that's one reason that I really enjoy the uh, saying the Shema. Um, but I think Rob's right. I don't think that the passage itself, you shall speak of these things when you uh, when you sit in your house, when you walk on the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. I don't think that's a prescription to say this passage of Scripture three times a day. Uh, instead, I think it's talking about uh, walking in a covenant relationship with the Almighty God and doing that uh, always. Any other thoughts on that? Nope. Great question. <clears throat> you, I, I am so... 
you guys can't understand that that you guys are blessing my life so much just because of the fact that you guys listen to Caleb and me. Yeah, yeah, that on, that is amazing to me. <laughs> that, but you're willing to like stop whatever you're doing in your day and log in and interact with us. I it's it's such a blessing. Uh, I my hope is that you are all just filled with the joy of Messiah, and mm. that that's just what we're talking about is walking in the Shema. That that that's what Yeshua says it doesn't matter. You could be the most punctilious, punctilious, or I don't know, did I say that right? About let's say your Shabbat observance according to the Mishnah's Halakha or something. But if you have not love, if you have not the greatest commandment and the one that's like it, and the yeah. only place that's available yeah. is to be a disciple of Yeshua. Preach. You, you, you're not going to get that anywhere else. You because there's no way to abide in that love. And I, th- I'm so excited. Okay, for those who don't know, so we're I'm teaching first. We're in a first year Greek class right now, and, and we're right in the middle of first quarter. And last night we had a class, and we just got to a point where we can have enough tools that we can look at some really awesome scriptures. And I was just so excited because here we are, you know, and their students learn. They've been working hard on Greek and all this, and now we're reading, you know, what does it mean when Paul says, you know, or Yeshua says, abide in me, abide in my love. And this idea of just seeing that at like the ground floor level, this is like the scripture, you're not, there's no translation now. You're actually looking at it and you can chew on God's word now. And you're taking these basic, what we think of as kind of like a kindergarten level thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, abide in my love. Okay, you know, this is my commandment that you love one another. Okay, I get it. But when you're, there's something about reading it in the original language. I know that's not everybody's, uh, you know, drive to to pursue that. But um, it's awesome, you know, it's awesome. And it's there, and there's nowhere else you're going to get it. You're, you, to be a disciple of Yeshua means that the Torah looks like something. It looks like the way Yeshua walked and taught and loved. That's what Torah is. You're not going to get Torah by go- chasing the Baal Shem Tov and trying to read yeah, English no translations of his obscure Hebrew or, or Yiddish. No, the guy was a, a, a magician. He was a mystic. He believed in reincarnation. And he was lying. He believed a bunch of lies. Yeah. And, and now you have people who say they believe in Yeshua. They claim that they're a disciple of Yeshua. But they're going around preaching the Baal Shem Tov. That's like the biggest load of BS. That bad that scholarship. I, uh-oh. Yeah. Thank you, Caleb. Thank yeah. you for clarifying. Yep. Uh, that's just that's so irresponsible for someone to be who who claims to be a disciple of of the resurrected King of all creation, hmm. who paid for the sins of his people to claim to represent him and going around preaching the Baal Shem Tov. It, it's it shows the darkness and the blindness of those people. No doubt. I want to make a song. I want. I want to make a song now called "BS." That means bad scholarship. <laughs> it could be. That's it could be like a BS. <laughs> BS. That means that's bad. That's bad scholarship. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I can hear now. Okay. So this one. This next one. So what I did was I cleaned out my email. 
uh, folder, my Tor resource email folder. I had like 300, you know, messages that had been opened, but I hadn't deleted. So I went through. I found a bunch of different uh, emails. So there's tons more that we could look at too. This one, Jonathan was recent. He, uh, so he. I'm sorry. Did you say something in the chat room? No, I just I just read Peter's okay. uh, post. I thought it was cool. Okay, so um, Jonathan said uh, wrote in and had this huge uh, long email uh, that I was I told him I was going to read and whatnot, and he was talking about um, he was talking about two like the two house theory and these kind of things. Somebody else sent him my dad's, uh, or he found my dad's uh, article on the Two House Theory, Three Fatal Flaws, which can be found on our website, tourresource.com. Go there and look under the articles page. Anyway, not the point. Um, so then he wrote back and he said, let me restate my question now that I've read this and I think I understand the position better. Uh, this is the, I, I took a very small piece from his email and uh, I think this is the, the essence of his, of his question here. And if not, then Jonathan, please write me again. Again, if we don't answer your question to your satisfaction, we'll try to get to it again. Um, he says, since the reunification of the two houses of Israel and Judah are a future event, do you see this reunification happening at the return of our Messiah? Or, as so many believe, do you see it occurring now with the progressive return to the land of the Jewish people? Yes. You know, I, I I talked to my father about this too. You can, nobody knows what tribe they're from. I, I know some people are like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm from the tribe of Asher. I'm oh, from. I had a dream last night. Yeah, know. I know exactly. Nobody knows what tribe they're from, so you can't say, oh, this person's from Judah and this person's from Israel. And even if you had the twelve tribes come back to Israel, as we're starting to see, right? We're starting to see the regathering back to the land of Israel. Okay, let's say if that happens, and let's say that you know, let's even say that the twelve tribes are. Are uh, are found like we? I don't think they're lost, but they're they're found in terms of people realize what tribe they're from. Let's pretend that that happens miraculously, and the Messiah is not back yet. Do I think that all of a sudden we're going to have Judah and Israel? No, I think that we'll have Israel as the twelve tribes living in the land. Does that mean that that Judah and Israel has been reunified already? No, it doesn't. But we're never going to look at it right now and say, oh, Israel is this entity and Judah is this entity, as the two house proponents would have us believe. I don't believe that that's how it is. If, if, we, if we knew what tribes we were from, we would go back to the land and we would, we would be unified as the 12 tribes of Israel living in the land. Once the Messiah comes back, yes, we will have a reunification of Judah and Israel, but everybody will be unified under the, the banner of the King Messiah. And that will be done when the and when the the new covenant it comes to complete resolve, meaning that Israel as a nation comes and accepts the Messiah Yeshua and the Torah is written on their heart, as opposed to the remnant having the Torah written well, here's on their heart. Another way to think of it too: when Yeshua in, is at Matthew twenty-five, he says he's going to have all the nations and he's going to separate the goats from the sheep. Well. I'm going to just trust Messiah with the sorting process. And if he wants to assign me to a tribe, okay, whatever he says goes. If he says, yeah, exactly. you're, you're just a, a hick goy, then I'm going to say, great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to let him. Uh, I see that as it, that's his prerogative. And I think back to, is it Saul? What's the Saul? Psalm 88. Where does it say, Zeyulad Sham? Anybody know? Psalm. 
uh, 87 or 88. Sorry, Adam. I should know. know Adam says, Hick Goy, great band name. (laughs) Goy. Oh, that's a good one. 87. Yeah. Yeah. Psalm 87. It says, Yod Hevafe, Adonai Yispor Biktov Amim, Zeyulad Sham, Selah. This the Lord is the one who writes the the registers of the people, and if He says this one was born there, yeah, that means in in Jerusalem, this one was born there. Who's going to tell him? Who's going to argue? Actually, he was, you know, no. It's like he he's going to define people's citizenship because he's the king, and that's his prerogative. And I'm I'm okay not knowing. I'm okay, I, you know. I don't feel like I need to anxiously figure out some identity politics so I know which group here on earth I need to identify with because of a tribal affiliation. I'm, I, To me, it just it doesn't seem like – it seems more that it leads to distraction. But that's my limited oh, Okay, wait, hang on just a sec. Peter says something in the chat room, and maybe this hits more to what Jonathan's question was. Peter says, the, uh, I believe the great, greater argument for Israel identity is not – that a particular person is identified, that's kind of crazy, but that the origin of the nation traces its roots to that identity, British and U.S., for purposes of prophecy. At least that is their argument more than personal identity. Okay, if that's the case, originally I don't believe that that God, you know, now I know the the people who have who have uh, said that I'm totally out to lunch on this have said, of course it was God's plan. God knows all, obviously, but God's God made one nation. He made one nation. It was supposed to have one king, and that one king was Yeshua the Messiah. That's it, right? And but the people wanted a king anyway. They said, oh, give us a king, give us a king, right? Okay, so not the point. It it was it was the disobedience. Of Israel that split Israel and Judah. The original identity of the nation is under God as one nation. It's not split. And this is why I think in Jeremiah thirty-one you have you have uh, you have he's he's talking about Jeremiah is talking about Israel and Judah, and this is how he's seeing it at the time that he's writing. And then when the new covenant comes in, all of a sudden Judah's gone, and it's just one nation again. Go ahead, Rob. I see that you have something to say. No, I was just no. John just posted. He said, "Well, he's he's not asking about the identity, the affiliation, the tribal for individual." If I'm understanding him correctly, uh, his his point is not to emphasize individual affiliation with this or that tribe, but rather thinking in terms of the timing of the event. And so uh, I guess well, uh, the reason I – this goes back, maybe I didn't point that out. But the reason I was thinking about Matthew 25 is because Yeshua says that gives us the timing and the sorting together. Now, granted, when he says separating sheep from goats, he doesn't use the word tribe there. I, I get that. But the idea is you have uh, an event that is in the future where there is this sorting going on. And – but again, I'm happy with not, you know, not knowing detail. You know, here's the, here's the thing, and maybe you know, I could be, uh, I'm more than happy to be corrected on this, and and maybe I will be corrected on this. I don't understand why people are so focused on this idea of Judah and Israel. 
It was something that was going on at a period of time that the prophet, prophets were prophesying. They were seeing two entities. They were seeing Israel and, and, and Judah. So it's only natural. It's just like if I would, like, actually, I don't even want to put, let's say that some prophet arises today, okay? And he's, and he's talking about different things, and he says, the U.S. and Israel, okay? Now, he's not saying that they're together, but he's just prophesying. Well, in 100 years, the U.S. is no more. It's all Mexico. Mexico is taking over everything. Are people going to look back and say, oh, well, you know, make this a big deal? I mean, the prophets talk about nations all the time that, that were in, in their time period that are no more. So I don't understand why, why I, and maybe you can tell me, Rob, I don't understand why people are making such a huge deal out of Judah and Israel. The prophets were prophesying according to what they saw. It's... Uh, it's not, I don't understand why it has to be some huge ordeal now that we look and we're looking for Judah and we're looking for Israel. It's, it's one nation. It's God's nation. It's God's people. And so I, I don't, like, when, when the people who are real into the two-house thing, it just, it does not resonate with me. I don't get it. I don't understand why. Why even make a deal, a big deal about well, it? I, my experience, because one of my first teachers was uh, in the two-house thing back in the late 90s. And so that was my introduction to like Shabbat and stuff like that. And but to be honest, in the last I don't know since then, I haven't really like gone to a Shabbat service or participated with any like two house people now these days. I haven't had much other than internet, you know, not in like real life community. And so I, I think it would probably be unfair of me to take my experiences from the late 90s and imagine that that's still representative of what's going on. Probably a little bit, but there's I would imagine there's nuance. You know, there's new kind of... Well, Batya uh, Wooten, look, Batya Wooten has been one of she's the... She's still mi- going strong, right? She, yeah, and she, well, and, well, she took some time off, and, you know, I'm not putting Batya down. I disagree with her on a lot of things, but, you know, uh, she seems like a, 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 a genuine sister in the Lord. Um, but she's rewritten her book. I mean, it's on like the third or fourth edition now, I think. I think. I could be wrong on that, but I think that she's rewritten her book numerous times. I don't know how much has changed in it, because I'm... Is that I'm, the Who is Israel book? Yeah. Or No, it's the Branches. Hang on. Oh. Isn't it the Branches one? What's the one that she put out? Hang on just a sec. I always spell her name wrong. Wooten. Batia Wooten. And who we are. Um, yeah, it's this one right here. Oh, of course. And I grab the one that's. Yeah, who is Israel? You're right. Okay, so it is. I'm question, sorry. Question: Peter had a good had a good point. He's saying, "Look, the Bible is a lot of Bible is prophecy, and so prophetic identity." changes prophetic understanding uh okay so i'm just wondering what different does it make a difference okay for a person who's convinced that they're of the tribe of dan or someone's convinced someone american let's just use say in the u.s citizen i know we were or a british you know maybe someone from the uk who believes they're from tribe of manasseh or i'm from the tribe of benjamin um i think the guy doing the copper scroll project believes he's from the tribe of Benjamin and then he's like uh, someone told me that 
Barfield, I think his name is. So what, what gain is that? Am I doing that because it has trade value? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this guy's from the tribe of Benjamin, and we want him to come speak at our community? Or is it personal satisfaction, like a personal sense of like belonging? Um, or is it I need to see, I, I, it's important that I am identifying with the tribe of Benjamin. I have the conviction that I am. Because there's specific prophecies about Benjamin, and I'm part of those prophecies. Is that kind of where it is? All I know is this. I, I mean, I think that's what he's saying, and, and he, there's probably good points to that. But what I'm saying is, is that we have names of countries throughout prophecy that are prophe- prophecies that still have yet to happen. But like those, he, like, but well, those, Edom. yeah, look those. At, look at what happened with Edom. We had Edomia. Well, then, by the time after the temple was destroyed, the rabbis call Rome Edom. Right? They call Rome Edom in Midrash. So, does that mean Rome is Edom? Even up into the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church then starts to be called Edom. And now you have, according to the rabbinic map, and this gets into who is it? Aloro. And Shapira and these guys that using medieval and later Kabbalistic works where we're trying we need to restore the between Jacob and Esau because the church is Esau and uh, Jews are Jacob. And they're using prophetic identity, they're using, you know, names of nations, and then trying to apply it as a map in the world that we're in right now, and then they're gonna act on accordance in accordance with the way they think that map is and how they think that there needs to be some sort of repair made so that so that the world will be a better place and and so it's like the idea ends up having application but on the other hand if i take the who was the other guy that we listened to for we had some clips from him he's like well no it's not that the church is esau it's that the church is the lost tribes of israel and that not Edom. Oh yeah, Hanuk, Hanuk Young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Israel is um, like Judah. So really, that it's not a Jacob Esau map; it's a Israel Judah map that we are trying to restore. You see what I mean? And then you have different groups, all uh, depending on where you start. They're going to pick a different uh, kind of thing. To it's like a flag, a banner. We're going to align a a lot. Get our you know muster the troops under, but none of them have any political power. <laughs> it's not like they can have a standing army and a territory, and and you know and government. It's so that's what a nation is, and so sure, it's. I just see exile. You know what? It's really. Yeshua said, "Take my word to the ends of the world." That's we're in that we're we're in. Here, okay, that. here's the other thing, and and thank you to Peter for for uh, for continuing this conversation because he brings up some very good points. But here's the thing: is that once again, and I mean, I know that my view of this is not going to change anybody else's because I just don't think it will. But prophecy was not given to us so that we know, you know, what's coming and all. I mean. 
Look at Revelation and the seven churches. Do you know what the seven, who the seven churches are? No, of course not. People have theories, but nobody knows who the seven churches are. So my point is, is that we don't, we don't, we aren't given prophecy so that we know what what the future holds. Like, so that we have a glass ball that we can look into and say, "Oh, look, this is going to happen this time." No, we have prophecy so that when it starts to unfold and it starts to ha- happen, we can say, "God is faithful." God told it. See, look, we see it in the Bible. This is how we know God is is with us, even though it's it feels like there is total despair right now because we're dying, we're being persecuted. Guess what? We see it in the Word. This He told us this was going to happen. Take heart. Put your faith in the God who already told us, who gave us prophecy of this. That's why we have prophecy. And so to think that somehow the understanding of of you know Judah and Israel and who's Israel and who's Judah is somehow going to help us in that I just don't see it. You know, I just I just don't get it. However, however, I am like I said, you know, this is this is one of those things I haven't spent you know, we talk about two house theology. Rob's right. You know, it's changed. The landscape has changed over the past ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. You know, I'm sure that uh, I, you know, people have told me, "Oh, you misrepresent what two house believe." Okay, all I can tell you is what is from the books that I've read from the people who seem to be the top proponents of two house theory, and even people today. You know, uh, Rico Cortez. You know, he seems to put forth a a two house theology. I don't know all of his thoughts on two house theology, but he seems to think that the lost tribes of Israel are are uh, predominantly believers, especially who are coming back to Torah and whatnot. So, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I need to do more research. But the problem is, is that I'm not interested in it, and that, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier to to study things that you're interested in, as opposed to study things that you're not interested in. Any other thoughts on this before we uh, before we head out, Rob? No, I was just noticed someone mentioned Yair Davidi, uh, a covenant of people Brit Um. I think they're taking that as Britain. But, um, yeah, I, I don't buy it. I, I think that, uh, that if you say that believers in Yeshua are lost tribes of Israel, I think that's, that's a, a dead-end street, in my view. The tribes aren't lost. That's, that's, I just don't believe that the tribes are lost. People know that they're, you know, a lot, most people know, oh, yeah, I have Jewish blood. A lot of people don't want to admit it. Just because you don't know what tribe you're from doesn't mean that the tribes are lost. The tribes were lost when they were when they were dispersed. That's what it's talking about, being dispersed in the diaspora. That's what being lost means. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden there's amnesia everywhere. Nobody knows that they're 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 uh, you know from from right, right. And and look at how lost is used in the lost the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost the you know my son was lost, the lost the prodigal son, right? This is yeah. Never mind. <laughs> uh, but I I know that what I just said is is super controversial. Everybody's going to say, "Oh, of course the tribes are lost." I, I just don't, you know, I don't I don't think so. Anyway, okay. All right. Uh, don't forget about the Torah Resource Radio comment line. If you think that what we just said is uh, totally asinine, then give us a call. 
Uh, talk to an answering machine and tell us why we're so wrong. 253-465-3205. I'll give it to you again. Get your pens out. Until then, uh, we'll start some music and we'll, we'll exit out. Thank you very much to our, uh, to our chat room for a lively discussion. We love having people be part of the chat room, be, uh, able to, you know, be with us during all of it. And so that's great. And uh, keep sending emails because, man, it does help us prepare for shows and talk about things that we think that you want us to know, uh, talk about. So I'll give you the uh, the Tori Resource Radio comment line one more time. It's 253-465-3205. You can send us an email, chag at torahresource.com. That's chag at torahresource.com. I was going to read our verse of the day, but you can find it in our show notes. We hope that you have a great Sukkot. And that in it, you uh, really focus on our eternal dwelling with our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. <laughs>